The desire to homestead is strong for so many individuals. The opportunity to maintain a large garden, raise your own meat, cook from scratch, and preserve the harvest is nothing but a true blessing. Many of us who live this life are continuing family traditions and values. Some of you guys are returning to it after taking a break for an extended amount of years, while others are beginning the journey or preparing to enter into the lifestyle. Regardless of why, you're here, and that is the most important part. You are doing what millions of individuals are not doing. You are here to own your food stores and to live a simple life. There's a story behind each and every single one of us, no doubt. And I just want to take a minute to tell you our story. I want to talk to you about where we were before this life, what we've done since entering this life, and where we're going to be going in the near future. So sit back, grab your coffee, your wine, your drink, whatever you have, or take me out to the garden with you as you work. We're about to begin, and we're about to leave suburbia and enter a life that we never knew existed. So let's go back to about six and a half years ago when Justin and Ann lived in Prime, Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, Expedia, um, T-Mobile County, okay? Little Silicon Valley is what we call it out here. We had lived there for quite a few years, and um, I was a typical suburban housewife. I pretty much cooked from scratch, yet it was all boxed items, purchased items from the grocery store, homemade bread didn't exist, you know, making your own yogurt didn't exist, or your own butter never even crossed our minds. And we were living the life of a typical suburban family. You know, our kids played sports heavily. We went just to the market and did what we needed to do. I had no idea what a homesteading life was. Justin came to me one day and decided that we were not going to live here anymore, that we should move and find our own little piece of land and get away from neighbors. I mean, we loved our neighbors. However, we didn't want to hear them talking. We didn't want them to hear us arguing. We didn't want them to hear what we were planning for our day. We didn't want them to hear the noise of our home and our family. We just wanted something away from people at this point. Well, Justin wanted things away from people at this point. So he decided that he was going to pack us up and move us off into a piece of land that he found, but we wanted to stay into the school district in which we were existing, um, which were the kids were going to school already. It was important that they stay connected with their community. And um, so we looked for property close to where we were living. Um, it took a little bit of time because I was never happy about the idea to begin with, but we found um, two acres in the mountains, um, on the bottom of a national park here in Washington state. And we decided that we were going to trade in our 1900 square foot home for something very much smaller. The kids, the older kids were already moving out, going to college. And so we traded it in for a 1,050 square feet. And at first I was appalled. I was devastated. I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do with such small space, but things started to change. And we decided that this was going to be it for us. Justin didn't want prying neighbors. I wanted more. The more I walked the property, the more I realized that I wanted something more. First, that first year we put in our three raised beds. And then I thought, well, if you have a garden, you have to have chickens. So we brought on 15 chickens to the property. It just started from there. You know, they say chickens are the gateway to farming and homesteading. And I am not going to lie to you when I say that's 150% absolutely true. So within that first year, within those first six months, our journey began. And I will honestly say, and I will prepare you now, where it's ended up 
my parents to this day <laughs> um, cannot be, uh, cannot comprehend, cannot even imagine the life that I live. So it changed. It changed drastically. So what did I do that first year? That first year, I canned a lot of jam, not even jelly, but jam. I canned a lot of pickled items. I canned a lot of things that people, my family, <laughs> would not even eat. I mean, I saw it on Pinterest. I saw it on Facebook. And I thought, oh, this is it. This must be good. These people are canning it. So I did a lot of that canning. I grew um, tomatoes, jalapenos, green beans, cilantro, and that was it out of those three raised beds. And the reason why I did that was because I didn't know like what I could grow. I didn't even, I couldn't even imagine. So I went over to the nursery. I loaded up our truck with a whole bunch of dirt. I plopped it into these raised beds and um, I watched everything stay green and alive. However, nothing. I got nothing. I got no yield. I got very small bits and pieces of maybe a pepper or two. I remember my tomatoes never really got past the blossoming point. My green beans did well, but the cilantro bolted before it even was like four inches high. I failed. I failed miserably. I didn't know that the soil needed to be amended. I didn't know that it needed to be fed and fertilized. I didn't know any of that stuff. So um, nothing happened. Nothing happened that first year other than chicken, some green produce um, that I couldn't even eat. And, um, oh, I did add ducks. Ducks I did add because they showed up at the feed store and I thought they were so cute. So I convinced Justin to let us have some ducks. So we brought ducks onto the property. That was our first summer. That's all we did. The house needed a lot of work. A um, few spaces needed to be remodeled. And we didn't even do that. We just focused on just living in the house to see exactly what needed to be done. And then I dreamed. I went into winter dreaming of what was going to happen for year two. And I will tell you, year two actually kickstarted everything that you see us talking about to this date. Year two, year two, um, gosh, thinking back on year two, there were a few things that we did that year there was nothing really drastic or major. We brought in, we were gifted two little weathered Nigerian goats that we brought onto the property to help clear the land. We are completely surrounded by blackberries and salmon berries. So we need, we needed someone to clear the land. Um, they did their jobs. They grew, they thrived, they did their job successfully. It was, it was pretty amazing to have a team to work with. And I will say that it was the best thing that happened in year two. The garden got expanded a little bit. I learned a little bit about amending the soil, fertilizing it, and just basically feeding it to give it, to turn this dirt into something beautiful, rich, black, growing. And I learned the true love of knowing what good soil feels like in year two. It was it, it was just a love relationship with my soil. And I won't lie to you. If you garden and you're raising, raising a lot of, growing a lot of your own food, then you understand what I'm saying. You should be able to touch that soil and know what it needs. I mean, smell it. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible switch into your life when you can do something like that. And um, the, like I said, the garden expanded. I brought in mason bees for springtime pollination of our fruit. Um, the blueberry bushes, for example, um, needed pollination. The strawberries needed pollination. The fruit trees, we brought in grafted dwarf fruit trees that needed pollination. And so 
that was the year for it. I learned that pollination was key to everything. I learned about soil amending. Um, and that was pretty much it for year two. The goats were a bunch, you know, a fun add to it, but they were pets. So year two, we had still raised pets. We had pet goats with a purpose. We had pet 15 chickens. We had plus a couple more at that time as well, too. <coughs> and we had pet ducks. That was year two. That was year two. It wasn't a really big growth year for us, but it was a good year of just getting a little bit more comfortable and our feet wet and knowing what we needed to grow food. And it was just an easy year, just an easy year. I took some gardening courses at the Grange, um, you know, and I can still think about it to this day. And um, I'm still asking a lot of poultry questions to the experts there at the Grange. And um, it was just a year. It wasn't anything great. And then year three came, year three. It's like each year there's a, a better segment, right? So year three came and I will tell you, year three brought again, a little bit more. So what did we do on the property for year three? What did we do? We added um, Freedom Rangers um, as a meat breed, which we butchered out at uh, 12 weeks um, onto the property. I quickly discovered that I did not want to raise those any longer. And so we added that. We also added turkeys onto the property. We wanted to fill our freezer for holiday meals. So we added um, turkeys onto the property. And um, it was a great year in that sense. It was a really good year. It was kind of like a stagnant year in regards to anything that we built. It was a stagnant year as far as expanding the garden. But with the addition of learning how to raise our own poultry for meat consumption, that was a great year. I learned a lot from that year in regards to that. Um, I discovered that as fearful as I was of raising these um the Cornish crosses, I knew that Freedom Rangers were not going to be the breeds that I wanted to raise. I'd rather have a quick out of eight weeks for a meat breed. As long as I was raising myself and I was feeding them properly, the breed was actually okay. So, um, so that was it for year three. It was pretty stagnant. I really stopped and started focusing on my website for year three. And I wanted to give you guys a library of um, information on what we had learned at that point. Social media was growing. Facebook was growing. Instagram was growing. But my website at that point was pretty stagnant. So I decided that I was going to be a little bit more in... Um, uh, a little bit more focused on giving you guys quality content on my website. So that was the end of year three. So, you know, in a recap, it was an okay year. It was a good year for adding meat breeds for the first time. And, um, but the website growth was the biggest thing for us. And I was really, really extremely happy that I was finally buckling down and having a site that can give you guys the information that you needed. So that was it for year three, kind of stagnant, but kind of exciting at the same time with turkeys and broiler birds. Um, you know, there's information on our website on that if you wanted to see that, but, um, it was an okay year. It wasn't grand, but it was okay. It was the beginning of year three that I discovered what it meant to be really lonely <laughs> living a homesteading life. Um, and I never thought this was going to happen and it happened. All of those people that I knew that lived in the suburbs, you know, were different people to me at this point in time. I had changed to them. They had changed to me and we were no longer real friends. You know, we, we would pass each other here and there, or we would shoot a quick message on Facebook or whatever the case was, but we no longer hung out. Um, who I was had completely changed as a person and it no longer fit that mold 
of um, being that typical suburban housewife. I was shifting. I was changing. I was becoming someone that nobody understood or knew anymore. Not even my family. My family, again, remember, did not grow up in this lifestyle, did not understand the concept of it. And so it was it was a big shift as far as who I was and who I was becoming. Um, it was lonely. That winter was very lonely for me um, going into spring. And that's when I discovered that I had to really find my tribe. I had to find the individual who could mentor me in this life. I had to find someone who I could just cry about. I um, cry to in regards to all the failing that was happening. Um, I, I needed a tribe. I needed people who understood me and understood the lifestyle that I was living. Um, I needed mentors. And so that winter, um, January, February, March, April, I had no one until I said to myself, I've got to open up and I've got to find people who are like me and find my tribe. And that's when I met some great friends via social media who don't even live near me. <laughs> my best friends and my closest friends live across the country from me. And, um, I didn't have anyone to talk to. And so I reached out to these people and I was like, I latched onto them like a leech. I forced myself into their lives. And to this day, we are best friends. And, um, and to this day, I have extremely close friends. But I do know that these people, I can't just go, come over to the property, help me out with this, or you know what I mean? And I learned to accept that. And I learned that if I needed to get a hold of them to pick up the phone or to get on a uh, messenger on Facebook and say, Hey, how do you do this? And what do I need to do? Give me your information. And I think that that's what happens to many people that are new into this lifestyle. Remember the people who do not have the family members or the mentorship um, of people from the past or of an existing life. These are the people that leave suburban America like I did and don't have it. The hardest transition is to finding your tribe. Because there's nothing worse than being lonely in this life and finding information that you need to thrive and succeed in this life. Um, there's no one to celebrate your successes with. And there was no one to celebrate your, you know, to help you along your path of failing. And um, I will say to you right now, if you are new to this homesteading life, whether you're in it from year one to year three, whatever the case is, find your tribe. It doesn't have to be someone local. I mean, it's a bonus, bonus points for those who can find a local tribe, but it does need to be a tribe nevertheless, because if not, you'll hate the life that you live and you will just be complacent in it, going about doing the things that need to be done, but there's no real joy in it. Find your tribe. That's the biggest advice that I can give you when you enter this life. I wish I would have had that advice in year one and two, because by year three, I was beginning of year three, I was extremely, extremely lonely. And um, I was able to fix that problem because I'm a very social and outgoing person, but many of you guys aren't, but I cannot give you more advice than this. Find your tribe. The other bit of advice I'm going to give you, and this again happened in year three, is this. Um, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Sometimes your failures are big and sometimes your failures are small, nothing, you know, not even worth thinking about, but you will fail. The problem with failing is a lot of people don't forgive, forgive themselves for failing. You cannot be successful in this life if you do not forgive yourself. And I'm going to say that again. You cannot be successful in this life if you cannot forgive yourself. 
what happens is, is that people have all these goals, me, for example, of what's going to happen each and every year and how our growth is going to occur and what we're going to be successful in. Never once did I say what we're going to fail, but what we're going to be successful in. And um, when things didn't happen, I... I became frustrated. I became so frustrated that I could not forgive myself to that point. I became frustrated that, you know, things weren't happening as quickly as possible. I wasn't forgiving Justin for working 40 plus hours away from the home and being tired on the weekend to the point where he was just taking his time building things. I became frustrated and that led me to failure. That led me to lack of forgiveness for myself. And that, you know, it, it was a difficult transition for me to really figure out. Um, when I can embrace the fact that nothing happens in this life, unless you're persistent, I was able to forgive myself. It, it got to the point where I stopped goaling ourselves for things that could not happen immediately. You know, building a homestead takes money. And if you do not have a lump sum of money to commit into doing things, it takes time. You still have to pay your mortgage. You still have to pay, you know, all the other expenses in your life. And then on top of that, you want to add material building, uh, material costs for constructing buildings and outhouses and whatever else you needed. So it takes time. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I was going into it thinking, we're just going to build this and we're going to make it and we're going to do it and it's going to be perfect. And then when it didn't get done, I started getting frustrated. I think it took until the end of year three before I realized that, you know what, it's not going to get done all at once. I can only control a certain aspect of it and I have to be happy with what we do accomplish and I have to be grateful that we were given the opportunity to be able to get as far as we have gotten. And so with year three came that idea of knowing that we're going to fail. We're not going to complete every single task at hand and I have to forgive the fact that it didn't get done and regroup and replan for it. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but learning to forgive yourself for not being able to finish things is one of the keys to being a very truly successful homesteader. So again, take it or leave it, but learn to forgive yourself. Here come the exciting years, year four, five, and six, the exciting years. I'm going to tell you so much happened in those years. And I will promise you that in about that time is your peak. That's going to be your peak. You know, oh, you know, let's recap real quick. One, two, and three, you're establishing your homestead, especially if you have to start one from scratch like I did. And you're learning, right? Especially if you do not come from the lifestyle in itself. You are just a lone wolf into this journey, going about it on your own course. So there was a lot of learning curves those first three years. Now, we get into year four, five, and six. Year four, five, and six. Oh my gosh, I cannot rave about those years. <laughs> what a bunch of amazing years that was. And uh, let's just start. Let's just start with there. Let's start with the homestead. Okay, so on the homestead, what happened in those years? We finally were able to say that I was raising my own meat. I was growing out of a garden where I can eat throughout the um, year. On top of that, I was putting up food to be able to preserve for my family out of our garden. And then whatever I needed to supplement, meaning beef, for example, or a pig, I would buy from my local farmer in the area. Or if I was running short or I could not grow it or didn't it didn't grow successfully, I was reaching out to my farmers at the farmer's market and supplementing anything that was 
a shortcoming onto our homestead and putting it up and preserving it from there. Like for example, um, peppers, jalapeno peppers don't grow well in high elevations where it's temperature, you know, 10 degrees cooler than it is in town. In town, you can grow just about anything you want, but in the mountains, you're limited on what you can grow. So you really focus on the things that do well on your property, which are basically spring and early fall crops, summer crops, and it's a hit or miss on what you're going to get. So I narrowed it down. I had my farmers all lined up. My garden was lined up. I was raising meat, ducks, um, chicken, turkeys, guineas, quail. I was raising those items on my property, which can feed my family and anything that was shortcoming. Like I said, I had farmers within, you know, a dial's a quick dial and I could get the food that my family was not able to grow or raise. Great year for that. Um, the Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest, which was my book that I wrote, occurred that year. I had learned that I struggled in gaining the information that I needed to successfully preserve foods. So when the opportunity came to me to write a book on preserving foods, I just didn't want to write on canning foods. I wanted to write on every single method of home food preservation because I knew how difficult it was for me to get there. I wanted to make it easier for others to be able to have that information in one place. So in this book of mine, I was able to take the individual through various phases of home food preservation, right? And let them learn the process of it along the way. So whether or not you're beginning at hot water bath canning and moving on to pressure canning, or if you've already mastered dehydrating and you want to learn about fermenting, or if you want to learn about curing your own meat or storing it in a cold storage versus a root cellar storage, it was there for you. It is in that book. It is the beginning guide to how you're going to get from point A to point B successfully as a self-sustaining homesteader would. That book was my shortcoming on what I needed because I didn't have a mentor to take me through the process. That book is written for you guys to be able to move forward and to be successful from day one. Biggest accomplishment, yes, was the book. The second accomplishment on top of that was being able to launch my website in a way that was very beneficial. My own personal library, you know, that was there sharing everything that I learned over the last course of six years is there for you guys. Social media was great. Again, handled itself, didn't need to worry about it. And then out came the fact that this is where I knew, I, this is what I knew I wanted to do. I really wanted to public speak. I wanted to get a hold of someone who was feeling lonely or felt that they failed or just starting this journey or encourage those who were already in this journey, but just needed a little bit more oomph to keep going. And so I started public speaking. Let me just tell you, um, that is the one thing that God gifted me was the ability to just public speak. Maybe it's because I'm chatty. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm outgoing. I don't know. But whatever it is, I just wanted to be able to tell someone that it is going to be okay. I am proof that it is going to be okay. And I'm telling you that it's going to be okay. And so that's where it was. The property was thriving. Our kitchen remodel was completely done. The ugly bathroom on the surface was completely done. And now we can focus on finishing all of the little things that we just slapped up to be able to, to just survive, fine tune it, clean it, and make it into what needed to be. For example, siding on the quail barn. 
Okay. We finished our, our wood storage shed. It holds 10 cords of wood. You know, that finally got done. On top of that, the rabbit barn is now finishing being enclosed. Everything that went up is now being fine-tuned so we don't have to touch it again. That is this year's commitment, 2020. Fine-tune all the structures on the property, clear the lower lot so we can get a truck down there and get construction on the lower barn that's going to house permanently our meat birds, our geese that are coming onto the property. They'll be able to free-range up and down from the lower lot to the upper lot, those birds there, and potentially potentially house our boar or goat team. I haven't committed myself to that just yet, but you know, these are things that we got ourselves to. Everything has been rolling along the way that it needed to be. And I couldn't be more blessed and happy with where we're at right now, but it took six years to get here. And I have to remember that. And I have to pat myself on the back with that. I have to pat my husband's back for that. And I have to thank him for sticking along with me and, and doing this journey. And, you know, I, I will honestly say six years, it's been hard. It's been a challenge. It's been work. It's been sadness, but it's been so much in the end successful that I could not have asked God to give me anything more than what he has already gifted me in these six years. So yes, six years, good years. Six years committed to finishing up the fine-tuning aspect. But we're going into year seven. And again, things change, right? Things change, things alter. Your goals are a little bit shifted and you're seeing yourself, where do you want to be in the next six years? And so Jess and I have sat down and talked and we've been planning. And so we are preparing ourselves for the next six years. I have lived in Washington State since 1992. Justin has lived in Washington State since 1991. And both of us are not Washingtonians by birth or by heart. And um, we always knew that we would not stay in Washington State once our children have gotten older. We're a blended family, Justin and I. We have seven kids between the two of us, one um, from our um, uh, our unity together. Uh, he's raised Giovanni since he was three months old. And the other children were from previous marriages. So we knew that we weren't going to stay here. We have stayed in Washington State, you know, through um, due to dictation of a parenting plan. But we knew that when our children grew up, that this was not going to be our forever home. And we had no desire to stay here. Number one, weather has a lot to play into it. You know, it rains here nine months out of the year. And um, it's not just rain. It is cloudy, misty rain for nine months out of the year with a few breaks of sun here and there. But, you know, and very little snow. So we get a lot of rain and it wears on you emotionally. So we knew that we were not going to stay here. But how long? I mean, how long were we going to wait? The kids are getting ready to graduate. Giovanni graduates in three years. Lola graduates in seven years, four, five, six, six years. And so how long were we going to stay here for? You know, it came closer to the time where we think that once Giovanni graduates from high school, we will more than likely go ahead and move and find our forever homestead. And we cannot be happier happier than this for two folds. Okay. Justin can retire at the age of 54 
And he is ready for it. Like I said, construction, your whole entire career path of life wears on the body and he's ready to go and find something that he wants to do that's simple. And where will we end up? You know, God only knows. We are looking at, um, to be honest, Idaho, because it's still close to Washington State where our adult children choose to live. Our granddaughter is here. Our children are here. Um, Justin's from Texas. We will be looking into Texas as well, too. He would love to return to Texas. We're also looking at Virginia and West Virginia. My family's on the East Coast. I have family in New Jersey, New York, and in Florida. And I figured that's a happy medium ground where I can actually go and see family and be close to family again. Um, my best friends are out there. You know, my best friend, Amy, you know, my BFF is out there in Virginia. The Homesteaders of America conferences in Virginia, where I'm a huge, um, you know, I'm a huge part of. I, I, love, I love that organization and I foresee myself staying with them for years to come. Um, and my best friend, uh, Janet, is in Maryland. So, you know, where we're going to end up, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I do know that our property has increased in value. We are in little Silicon Valley and um, they're building like crazy here. So our property in the short six years that we've been here has increased in value and we will be able to sell this two acres and find a forever homestead for our end goal. So, you know, like I said, I've been blessed. The website's been really good to us on top of that. I'm getting ready to venture back into YouTube again because I really feel like learning and teaching is the key to bringing more people into this life. But giving them a good source of information is essential. Nobody wants to search 20 million places to find out what they need to go and be successful. You know, to have a few great resources and then from there, research out. That's, that's what you need. So back into YouTube, I go again, but the end goal is to have a measly, you know, amount of land, you know, 10 acres is a lot to many, but like I said, there's an end goal. So 10 acres of land, a little farmhouse on it, you know, whether or not it's an old true farmhouse or if it's something we've constructed and built, there is just something to it. You know, having a dairy cow would be a dream of mine, but in truth, I'll be, I'll be a little older. I have rheumatoid arthritis and I'm not sure I can handle a dairy cow. So what am I going to do? Probably again, dairy goats, but this time true dairy goats for milking purposes. Um, we'll have our team of boar goats for red meat consumption. We will always run with our rabbit herd and we will always raise poultry for meat purposes, ducks, you know, and um, turkeys and chickens and guineas, always guineas for meat purposes and for livestock geese as well too always. So the end goal, the end goal, my dream, my purpose in life will be to always work with our youth. I would love to take everything that I've learned and take the property into running summer camps for special needs youth, youth in foster care, um, even a bereavement camp. Um, my daughter Miley is a camp counselor for a bereavement camp of youth and children who have lost parents friends, family, um, you know, you name it. And she it is, it has just blossomed in it. I would love to be able to take the property and run it into some sort of four-day, five-day camp between the month of June through the end of August and to um, allow these children to come and work with animals in the garden, learn how to cook from scratch, and to take them into their journey of just potentially, possibly, through the grace of God, allow them to want to live this homesteading life as well. That is the end goal. 
that is where I see us in the in um, seven to ten years. That is my end goal. Um, that's why I do all this stuff, and um, I pray that you know it, I keep the drive up, that I can continue to do what I'm doing, that can the website continues to be successful, this podcast becomes successful, YouTube is successful to the part where when I do reach our forever home. That the, that the transition into the end goal is graceful and peaceful and that it is as successful as these last couple of years have been. And I know it will be because when you have a drive and a passion to do something, you're going to do it. Um, I see myself still participating in the Homesteaders of America conference and supporting Amy in her desires to have that because I truly believe in the organization. If you're looking for your tribe, I'm telling you to attend a conference because you will find your tribe. You will find your tribe like no other. But that's it. That's who we are in a nutshell. <laughs> that has, you now know a quick recap of our successes and our failures and what happened to us in the last six years. This year for year seven, again, fine-tuning the property, clearing the lower lot, clearing the land around us. And um, maybe, just maybe, bringing in goats this year. I can't say yes or no for sure. I know we won't be able to run pig. Washington State will not allow us to have pigs on the property due to all the underground creeks that we have. We're too close to um, water sources with all the creeks on the property. Um, we cannot run pigs because of that. So I will continue to find local farmers in our area that will house us for that. But that's it. That's where we're at. That's who we're at. That's how we've gotten to the point of where we're at. And I really hope that this particular podcast gives you a better understanding of who we are as a family, how we became a sustainable homestead. Even though we're not raising our own red meat and pigs, we are truly a sustainable homestead. And I hope that this has encouraged you to get to where you need to be. And if it doesn't, then find someone or find a group of someone that will get you there. Because again, you cannot go through this journey alone. It doesn't work. You need mentorship and you need someone that's going to take you there. There you have it. Our very first podcast in the books. It's done. So please bear with me as I learn the tricks and trades of podcasting. And um, hopefully soon I'll have it down and it will be as seamless as seamless as it's going to be. What are you going to learn from a simple homesteading life? Well, we're going to talk about gardening, raising livestock, preserving the harvest in every form of home food preservation. And we're going to use my book, The Farm Girl's Guide to Preserving the Harvest as a reference. On top of that, we're going to talk about cooking from scratch. Yes, I know we all know how to cook from scratch, but there are tips, tricks, and recipes that I would love to share with you. We're going to also have a guest speaker every single month, someone who is very good in the field in which they're going to be talking about. I mean, I don't know it all. I don't pretend to know it all. I'd rather have somebody else come on and talk about their experience on what they want to talk about. For example, a family milking cow, how to raise fiber animals, how to make cheese at home, raising goats holistically. All that amazing stuff will be heard here every single month. So stick with us. It's coming. Just be prepared to be overloaded and to glean some amazing information. In the meantime, between episodes, feel please, please feel free to visit us at my website at farmgirlandmaking.com. Go ahead and sign up for the newsletter. There's so much information that goes out in that every single week. On top of that, you can visit me on my YouTube channel at A Farm Girl in the Making. 
And then of course there's Instagram and Facebook as well too. So if you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, go ahead and sign up for my newsletter and then just join us here every single Friday and you will have additional information on how to run a successful homestead from an individual who had to learn this life the long, long, hard way. See you guys next week and I'll talk to you soon.